I know you didn't know what you were in for today when you came to church, but I am excited to tell you that you are going to get to hear uh, from our teens who went to Nazarene Youth Conference. Um, we got back about a week ago, and I'm so excited for you to hear the way that God has been speaking to them, the way that God has already been moving in their lives from this experience that they had. Um, and so I just ask church this morning that um, could we all just take a posture of listening and learning, and could we believe that God wants to speak to us this morning through these young people. Amen? Amen. So without further ado, we're going to get started. Now, actually, I lied before we get started. Man, I'm lying. I'm like making mistakes and I'm a mess. So um, another thing, some of them are terrified to do this. So first of all, I want to say um, we should all be very proud of them because multiple students did not want this microphone to be in their hand and they wanted me to read for them. Um, but I asked them all to pray about that, uh, very youth pastory of me, right? I said, you are not allowed to check the box that you don't want to read without praying and, and trying to push yourself to get out of your comfort zone. And guess what? Each of them checked the box that they will read, read what God laid on their hearts to share with you this morning. So I'm excited about that. That being said, I'd hate for them to look out and see a couple things, faces that are like this. Okay, or um, this, okay, just flat out asleep, all right? Um, let's look engaged, let's be engaged, um, and just be excited about what they're sharing, and if one of them, like, locks eyes with you, and you tell that they're terrified, just smile, you know, just smile at them. Um, so, you guys feeling good? Are you ready for this? Okay, I have to look at my list for who's first. Wait, was it not convincing? I turned away. You ready? Okay, Emma Desiker is going to come up and share first with us this morning. And after they share, I don't know, maybe like give them some love, like clap and just be excited about what they shared. Can we do that? All right, awesome. All right, take it away, Emma. Well, for starters, Nazarene Youth Conference really changed my life in a lot of ways. Um, for a long time, since I was very young, I felt a call to ministry. And I feel like NYC was the confirmation that I needed that that is where God is calling me in my life. Seeing um, 10,000 students come together to glorify God absolutely changed my life. Um, just seeing how on fire they were for him was so powerful. One quote that really stuck out to me from Pastor Chris was, you're not junk, you're not rubbish, your life, matter, your life matters and your puddles are beautiful. This quote and this whole analogy really changed my perspective on life. Um, and it really changed how I view my puddles, which are issues in your life that you're hiding from either God or others. And it made me ponder and think about in my own life what puddles I'm hiding from God, and it taught me so much. One quote from a song was, rain came, wind blew, but my house was built on you. I'm safe with you. I'm going to make it through. This bridge and this entire song really um, shook me to my core during NYC. Something about this song and hearing 10,000 voices lifting the name of God absolutely changed me. I'm going to make it through with God. All things are possible no matter what the circumstance. I'm going to make it through. Hello, everybody. Well, for those of you who do not know me, my name is Daniel. So this NYC uh, pushed me a little bit out of my comfort zone. Uh, so I think of myself as a logically thinking person. So I have a hard time talking to somebody who's not right in front of me. 
like praying to God. Because I think it's kind of awkward and weird. While at NYC, the sermons and powerful music pushed me to open my heart. And during the experience, which is pretty much just time between you and God, uh, I broke through that awkwardness. And, uh, or at least I've started to break through the awkwardness. And uh, I was talking to God without really doubting that he was there. Um, that is how he worked on me at this NYC. Uh, my name is Kyra. Um, I definitely struggled with this NYC. Um, I'm an introvert. I don't like big groups of people. Uh, but we sang a song called Same God, and we actually sang it this morning. Um, a lyric that stood out to me. I'm calling on the God of David, who made a shepherd boy courageous. I may not face Goliath, but I've got my own giants. As someone who struggled with anxiety, this song just made it even more clear that it's okay to struggle. As Christians, we all struggle. It's okay. And God is always the same. And it also really helped me surrender, I guess, my giants to somebody who's way more able to fight them than I am. Before NYC, my relationship with God was crumbling. It wasn't very good. Uh, it was pretty much a roller coaster. There was highs, there was lows, and it just, it wasn't good. It was a bad connection, and I was straying farther and farther away from his love. However, I went into NYC praying and hoping that this trip would fix whatever inside of me was broken and what I needed. And the best thing is, the trip did it. The trip fixed, it was just like a switch flipped in my heart, and God just filled me with his love and power, um, and I feel closer to God now than I have in my entire life. Um, I have prayed more in the last week than I have in this past year. Um, I think one of the biggest influences from this trip was the music. Royal Company did a fantastic job with the music, and every song was meaningful and had an impact and was just powerful. Um, people were throwing up their hands in praise like I've never seen it before. 10,000 plus people worshiping God in one building is an experience like nothing else. Um, I think the most meaningful song to me was the song Rest On Us, and specifically the lyrics, fire and wind, come and do it again, open up the gates, let heaven on in. That song and that specific line of the song just really touched me um, in a way that a lot of the other songs didn't. Um, and the last thing I have to say is thank you to everybody who helped me on my journey with Christ. This trip, I realized how many people truly care about me, um, and they want to help me. I met somebody before service the one day, and by ending songs, they were hugging, praying with me. Somebody I had known for not even a full day, not even a half a day, was already praying with me and hugging with me and acted like they knew me forever. And I just want to say that the trip was magical, and I hope that we all continue to overflow with the Spirit of God.
Uh, my name is Jackson, and every time I think about MIC, I can't always place my finger on one specific thing because all of it was so great. But to spitball a few different things from that week, worship was amazing. Singing and listening with 10,000 people at one time, worshiping God was an amazing feeling. The messages we received have left a lot of impact on our lives. One underlying thing about all the speakers is that never were they perfect, and they always talked about it openly. Even outside the sessions and worship, you can feel God working by showing other people that could last, no, showing other people, friends that could last a lifetime no matter the distance. Finally, the youth of our district was told every night how great we were for many reasons, such as being nice to others, even the workers. We were always engaged in everything we did, like worship, listening to the message, and we never outcasted anyone, no matter what. No, no matter who it was, which left their own impact on those people. MIC was an amazing experience, and I'm glad we, that we together as a group got to experience it, not just individually, but to experience it together. My name is Quinn Tristano. Just kidding. Uh, I'm going to read for Quinn today because she was unable to be with us. Quinn wanted you to know this about her NYC trip. NYC was the best thing ever. Everywhere I went, I felt the presence of God more than I ever have. Amen. I might interject some of my own amens into this because I'm just so excited. The arena we went into every day and praised and worshipped God had me in shock every time. Just seeing all these people praising God and doing the same thing that I came here to do was so amazing. Something that happened for me personally is that I felt God so, so strongly that I was able to raise up my hands in worship, and I had never done that before in my life. This shows that this trip has strengthened my faith and my relationship with God so much, and I am really, really hopeful that my relationship will be close with God forever thanks to this trip. I can't wait for NYC 2026 and I can't wait to see what else God will do in my life. Um, my name's Landon. During session three, our speaker named Chris spoke about puddles and how they represent the things in our lives that we don't like about ourselves. Um, oh, whether it's a disability or something we have done. He spoke about how God doesn't necessarily want to take those away from you, but instead soak them up and use them to glorify him. Amen. The speaker has a disability made it, where it made it hard for him to talk and walk, and God didn't fully heal him from his disability, but instead helped him to use it in a way where he speaks to people about God despite his disabilities. Despite our challenges, we all have a purpose, and our purpose is to praise God no matter what puddles you may have. This sermon helped me realize that my puddles don't define me, and that despite my shortcomings, I can still worship and serve God serve God. We just all have to surrender to him. I'm Kate. Okay. Hi. So I felt God on my heart a lot this week, and I just got like a lot of feelings just to pray for everybody in that room and everybody that was around me. And since I got home, that feeling has stayed. And I just pray that everyone will go back to their usual routines, but will now have a different attitude about it. One of my favorite things that was said or shared actually came up from a performing artist, Lecrae, and he said, I can't change my circumstance, I can change because of my circumstance, and that shifted my focus. 
that made me realize that, yes, everybody is going home and everybody is going back to where they came from. It's the same routines and situations that they were once in, but going back into that can now be completely different from where they left it. <laughs> Hearing the speakers and what they had to say and everything just like changed the viewpoint of every single person in that room. And I am fully convinced that nobody is going back to where they came from the same way that they left it. And that is powerful. My name's Olivia, and um, the, at first when we showed up, I wasn't very, like, in it, and um, during our first session, it was a lot of emotions because of all the 10,000 people that were there with us, and I felt him around me through everyone and all of the wonderful songs as we worshipped, and as NYC went on, I let him in and started to raise my hands to him during worship, and I... It really changed me. Uh, hello, I'm, uh, I'm Chase. I'm a, and in the Song Firm Foundation, like some of the lyrics that spoke out to me were, why would he fail now? It made me think about how my uh, Aunt Sandra would make me and my brother read and think about some Bible verses. Even though I didn't think much of it at the time, it showed me how God kept on persisting, persisting through her flight for me and him to get to know him. Amen. This isn't scripted, but can I just pause and say, thank God for people like Sandra Metcalf who poured into young people. And she has left a legacy and planted seeds that she can't even fully fathom. Um, but God is good, and he's watering that seed, and it's growing. Amen. Well, I'm also Grace Maddox this morning. Um, as you all know, she's at Pickerington Naz with her family this morning. But I'd like to share on behalf of Grace about her experience. Grace shares, in session four, our speaker, Rich Velotis, spoke to us about holiness and what it means to be holy. In case you think the preaching was watered down, let me just tell you, it was not, okay? That was me, not Grace. He read from Mark chapter 7 and told how the Pharisees were more concerned about their image on the outside rather than what was in their hearts. He asked us where we place our identity and then reminded us that our identities are not rooted in what we can and cannot do, but our identities are rooted in the love of God. Rich told us that the essence of holiness is love, and holiness is not something that you can achieve, but it is a gift from God's grace. Amen. I am Ben, and on the first day of NYC, the speaker, Lamores Crawford, preached a great sermon about the overflow. One thing that he said that stood out to me was, a place with no water is a place with no hope, with no life. Then on the last day of NYC, the speaker, Eric Samuel Tim, said, God is just like water. Water is a community, power, and life. I have no idea if they had planned this, but what I took out of it, what they said, is that there is life that... There is no life without God. 
everybody. I'm Lena. Um, and for the months leading up to NYC, I had been really working on my faith. And NYC really helped me to feel more comfortable in my faith and really understand what it meant to serve and share his word. The, over, the idea of overflowing means so much. And um, learning about what it really means to overflow is just was amazing. And to me, over, overflowing looks like intentionally going out of my way to help others and show Jesus' love through everything. It also, to me, means letting Jesus overflow in me, even in the moments where I do not feel on fire for him. And um, yes, this trip was about us overflowing with our love for Jesus, but there are times where... Um, we don't always feel that fire, and it is important to let him overflow in us. Um, and on the second night of our event, I actually had um, a big moment of this because the speakers were on stage saying how much they felt God in the room. And we got into our hotel, and just everybody was talking about how much they felt God's presence during this service. And I did not feel that going into that service I had just felt a cloud of darkness all around me um and I think that's like that's what Satan does like he knows where God is about to move and how God is trying to move and he wants to stop it and for me it was really important to not let that stop my fire for Jesus and to just really let him fill me in that moment and to let him speak to me through the worship and the service um, and to just let him overflow in me so that I can overflow for him. Amen. Before, oh, am I on? Hello, hey. Before I have them sit down, I just want to, I need to brag on these teens a little bit. Um, wasn't that a blessing to hear what, the God, what God is doing in their lives? Um, so a couple of things that happened that didn't get talked about too much that I want to make sure you know. Um, and one of them we have a picture of. So um, our, our, each district at NYC does what's called an MWO. It's a Ministry with Others project. And it's a way that we give back to the community where NYC is taking place. It's literally that we are being the hands and feet of Jesus in the city that we quite literally took over. We were all over the place. Um, and so our assignment was to work at a food bank in the Tampa Bay area. And um, I didn't get to be with this crew during that time, but boy, did I hear about it afterwards. Um, you know why? <laughs> um, they did an amazing job at this project. They poured their heart, sweat, tears, blood, hopefully not blood because they were handling people's food. But um, it, was <laughs> it was wonderful. And afterwards, listen closely, guys. The person who was working with our group and who helps run this facility said to our district coordinators and our district MYI president, I have never worked with such a great group of volunteers in the six years that I have been doing this. We also heard, and this is not true of every district, 
that our district received no complaints whatsoever from anyone working in our hotel, from anyone in the arena. Uh, they were incredible and they spread kindness and love and joy and peace everywhere that they went. Because think about it, the people who were working in the hotel, the people who were working in the arena, the people who drove the trolley for us, um, the people who served us ice cream, they may not know the love of God in their lives right now. And, and I don't know if anything will come from the seeds that were planted in our time being there. But isn't that incredible to think that there could be someone who says, what, what is it about this group of kids? What, what, is, what is going on in their lives that this is how they walk around and this is they, how they engage with people? I want to know what that is and I want to know more about it. And I fully believe that that is possible and is happening from that trip. They... Um, they sang and they worshiped with their whole hearts, and it was beautiful to see. It never got old. Um, I'm just so proud of each and every one of these students, and I think they would all say this with me, and some of them did. Um, church, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your support. And I don't just mean giving financially, but that was a huge blessing, and that's the reason we were able to go as well. But thank you for your prayers. Like, it was evident that our trip was being bathed in prayer, and not just while we were there, but for literally like 14 months leading up to it. And so thank you. Thank you for being part of that. And I just want to add this real quickly. As we look to the next NYC, which will be three years from now, normally it's four, um, I just want to share with you what Ben Tolhurst wrote um, to those of you in the room who might be eligible to go. He said this, make sure when slash if you go to NYC 2026, you keep yourself engaged. Try and make some new friends. Jump outside of your comfort zone. Trade some shirts and have fun doing it. The worst they can say is no. Let me pause for a second and tell you about Ben, okay? Before we went on this trip, and I think, I hope he's okay with me sharing this. I should have checked. But Ben, like, actually shared with me. Uh, he's over here in the big hat. Um, he actually shared with me, like, I really want to push myself, like, just to, to meet new people, to get out of my comfort zone. Like, he literally said that to me. And guess what he did on the trip? Oh, my goodness. Every time I looked and found Ben in the rec hall, he was talking to someone new that he didn't know five seconds ago and trying to trade shirts and hats. And where is that hat from? Do you know? South, Northwest where? Oh, okay. Gotcha. Um, you can tell they have shirts from all over up here. Some of them traded. CJ's really sad because the shirt he got was from Ohio and he was trying to be cool and get, like, Hawaii or Alaska or something. And... That didn't work out, but uh, man, I just had a blast watching Ben just get to know all kinds of new people, and I think you accomplished your goal, Ben, so good job. Um, but here's how he ended what he said. Live in the moment and do not miss a beat. Live in the moment and do not miss a beat. I think that's pretty good advice for all of us every day, isn't it? Can we thank them one more time for sharing as they head back to their seats? Thank you, guys. So if you wouldn't mind uh, opening in your Bibles with me to James chapter 2, we're going to spend a little bit of time there this morning. James chapter 2, starting in verse 1. My dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over others? For example, 
Suppose someone comes into your meeting dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry, and another comes in who is poor and dressed in dirty clothes. If you give special attention and a good seat to the rich person, but you say to the poor one, you can stand over there or else sit on the floor. Well, doesn't this discrimination show that your judgments are guided by evil motives? Listen to me, dear brothers and sisters. Hasn't God chosen the poor in this world to be rich in faith? Aren't they the ones who will inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him? But you dishonor the poor. Isn't it the rich who oppress you and drag you into court? Aren't they the ones who slander Jesus Christ, whose noble name you bear? Yes, indeed. It is good when you obey the royal law as found in the scriptures. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you have favor for some people over others, you are committing a sin. You are guilty of breaking the law. For the person who keeps all the laws except one is as guilty as a person who has broken all of God's laws. For the same God who said, you must not commit adultery, also said, you must not murder. So if you murder someone but do not commit adultery, you have still broken the law. So whatever you say or whatever you do, remember that you will be judged by the law that sets you free. There will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you have been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. Maybe not quite the passage you were expecting this morning. <laughs> so what's going on here? To the one dressed nicely and wearing fancy jewelry, the host of this meeting gives special attention and a good seat. But to the one who appears poor and is dressed in dirty clothes, he offers a seat on the floor. The NIV actually says, by the host's stinky feet. Okay, that doesn't say stinky, but I'm assuming that those feet were stinky. Or to just stand to the side. And if we're being honest this morning, we, like the host of that meeting, sometimes make snap judgments and we judge people based on their outward appearance or other outward qualities. This passage, of course, is about not showing favoritism. And on the surface, it seems like it's specifically about not showing favoritism to those that we think are rich while we mistreat the poor. And while that absolutely is something that we should take away, I believe it's deeper than that. This is just one example of what favoritism can look like. And here's the thing. At the heart of basically any expression of favoritism is, one word, selfishness. See, the host in this passage gives special attention and a good seat to the man that he feels he can gain the most from. Did you catch that? He assumes the person who is dressed nicely, is wealthy. And if they're wealthy, you know what that probably means, especially in that culture? They probably have some power. And if they have power, guess what they have? They have influence. That means that I might be able to get something out of making that person like me. It is self-serving. 
We favor the person that we think can do the most for us. So in this passage, what the host is really asking as they're making a decision of where to seat people, who has status, who has power, who has influence in the world's eyes, and asking that with the intention of trying to gain that person's favor. But that also means he's asking this question. Who can't do anything for me? Or so I think. (laughs) And he decides that that's the person dressed in dirty clothes. But that doesn't sound like the way of love, does it? And treating people this way is serious. James reminds us that all of the laws are equally important to keep. And he says, if you show favoritism, that is no different than committing murder. I wonder this morning if sometimes, even if it's unintentional or subconscious, if sometimes when our young people enter into our church family, we look at them and based on their age only, politely direct them to the floor by our stinky feet or to stand in the corner while the real church, the adults, get to work. But you have seen a glimpse today of the fact that these teens are on fire for Christ and they are excited. Church, they are ready to overflow to the world with the love of Christ. In fact, I'm only sharing this passage today because we talked about it months ago in youth group. And Jackson Diebolt remembered a small group question from that sermon that's been spinning around in his head. And he shared with us the last night of NYC. He says, guys, if we're truly overflowing with the hope and the peace and the joy and the love of God, then no one in our midst should ever feel like an outcast. And everyone should be given a seat at the table. And to that I say, amen, Jackson. And so I ask, and be honest, have you ever been guilty of putting teenagers in a box? Hear me out. Maybe you're already in this place where you're like, yes, Pastor Miranda, the teens are the church of today, not of the future. But here are the areas that they can have a say in. Just kind of stay within this box and everything will be okay. You know, don't get... Don't get too excited, you know, don't expect us to give you like a full voice in what's going on and and all of these leadership opportunities. And also, can you please just not like try to like push us anywhere? Like we're just, we just want to stay where we are. So just as long as you do all of that, you're part of the church, right? But shame on us if we react that way to what God is doing in their lives. And shame on us if we get in the way of them being the church. Let me brag on our teens just a little bit here. Just in the last year, a couple things that come to mind. They spent a couple hours um, doing a food packing for Tough Bags this year. They raised money in youth group that went to three different local nonprofits who are overflowing with love of God all around them in our community. They literally doubled the signups for a mission Sunday within minutes when we brought it over to the youth building during youth group. Landon Labiche is putting uh, time in right now to prepare our pantry for a new ministry that is coming soon, and he has put hours into that project. 
Church, our Sunday mornings would literally not function if all of our teens turned in their resumes today and quit volunteering. They are spending time in the word and in prayer. Multiple students this year carved out time week after week to meet in intensive discipleship. I could go on and on. (laughs) But don't mishear me, please. I'm not saying, well, you got to do all of that stuff and keep doing and keep doing to be a good Christian. No. I'm sharing this to show you that our teens are passionate. And church, they are a force to be reckoned with when they are surrendered to God. They are going to overflow with the love of God with or without us adults, but why would we not want to be a part of that? Our young people can also reveal God to us in new and beautiful ways, but we have to be humble enough to watch and to listen. And young people, don't don't also mishear what I'm saying. You absolutely have things to learn from the older people in our congregation. Don't miss that. And please don't ever think that you don't need them in your walk with Christ. The truth is we need each other, old and young, for the body of Christ to be all that she is called to be in this world. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. I get it, Pastor Miranda, but teens can be kind of um, scary and intimidating sometimes. Um, because they ask hard questions, and they listen to music that I don't understand, and they say things that sound like another language. But I promise, I promise they're not as scary as you think. And if you need help breaking the ice, just go up to one of them after the service today and say, hey, I'm so glad that NYC slayed. Can you tell me more about that? Some of you got that. Some of you are like, what did our youth pastor just say? It's fine. Church, these teenagers, every teenager in this room, every teenager in our community needs our prayers. And they need our actions to demonstrate that we believe that they are equal partners in Christ, in this mission that we are called to, and that they with us are co-heirs with Christ. I wouldn't be here today as a pastor. I quite possibly might not even be a believer today if it were not for a small Nazarene church family in Canton, Ohio. Because you know what they did for me? They didn't just tolerate me as I grew up in the church, but they embraced me and they empowered me and they equipped me and they served alongside of me. These teens are going through a lot. I have seen, I have read the messages that some of them have received from bullies in their schools. I have watched them work themselves into the ground trying to be good enough or to do good enough when really they need to hear us say over and over again, you are beloved by God and you don't have to earn God's love. They are living in a rapidly changing world that is vying for their worship and attention. It's begging for it. This world is tempting them at every turn, and it's twisting what the love of God actually is, and it's offering them false hope and false truth. Church, we can't be surprised if they walk away from Jesus and from his bride 
because the world welcomes them with open arms while the church sticks them in a corner or on the floor. We have a responsibility. And this has to be about more than just, we hired a youth pastor. (laughs) Because that's great. It really is. I'm not saying that because I'm the youth pastor. I'm saying, like, it's good that you're a church that values that, okay? But it also can't just be about, well, we have, you know, a great team of youth leaders who, by the way, can I just (laughs) brag on them for a minute? We have incredible youth leaders in this church who go above and beyond and sacrifice so much to make sure that these teens know that they are loved. And you know what? More than half of them are downstairs right now, also serving in vacation Bible school, pouring into our young kiddos as well. And I just also want to (laughs) say, which might not be good for my job security, but it's actually far more important that we have a strong group of adults serving in our youth ministry than it is that we have a youth pastor. Did you know that? They're going to be here long after I'm gone, loving these kids and pouring into them and their families. But see, it's, it's not just them. Loving our young people and giving them a seat at the table isn't reserved for me, and it's not reserved for our youth leaders. That is on the whole church. That is on all of us. So even right now, this morning, we're going to take some time. We're going to take this opportunity to tangibly show every young person in this room that we care about them, that we are praying for them. And so at this time, I would like to invite all of the NYC participants to come up and find a place on one of these altars. But more than that, I want to invite every single teenager in this room, whether you just graduated or you just finished sixth or whatever age you are, um, if you're comfortable with it, I would encourage you to come as well. Um, Go ahead, guys, come on. Every teenager in this room, I would love if you would come and find a place by this altar. And as they're doing that, if this is resonating with you, if you are like, yes, Pastor Miranda, and I love these kids, um, even if you're not feeling that way, let God overflow in you anyway um, and ask him to to convict you. But we're going to take some time to just pray over these young people. And so if you want to come, I would love to just see a a massive group of people up here laying hands on them. Um, And what we're going to do, and this is not scripted at all because I didn't know what was going to happen, but we're, we're just, there's no agenda. We're going to pray for these young people. And if you can listen as you're heading up here, here are some things we can be praying about. Specifically for those who went to NYC, uh, many students, as they filled out a reflection following NYC, asked for prayer from us to pray for them that they would continue to overflow with the love of God long after this trip is over. Lena alluded to this when she shared, but church, you better believe the enemy does not like one bit that a week ago right now, there were 10,000 people, mostly teenagers, who were gathered together lifting praises to God. He does not like that. And you better believe that he will be trying to attack these students as they come back. Keep that in your prayers. Some other things that we can pray about just in general for our young people the pressures that they feel all around them all the time. Difficult situations at home that we may know nothing about. Many teens today struggle with anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts, body image issues. The list is endless. 
You can pray for them as they're entering into a new school year, whether that's at home or in a school. You can pray in general for the culture of bullying. But keep in mind, church, Jesus calls us to pray for those who are being bullied and those who are bullying. Amen. That's just a few. You are not limited to anything I just said. But I, I would ask, would you be bold to just pray out loud? Like, just pray out loud. And as we're doing that, I may tap you on the shoulder and put a mic in front of you and ask you to lead us all in a prayer. But even as that's going on, everyone else can continue to just pray out loud for our young people. Let's do that now.